I tell you what, before I jump into all of the things that God has been speaking to my, to my heart that I want to share with you all today, I, I, I want to first give some honor where honor is due. I believe in any time I'm given an opportunity to share the Word of God from this platform, I want to honor our pastors because I know that being a pastor and allowing someone else to come and speak in, I'm going to throw an old school word out, speak in their pulpit, they are entrusting a lot in you. So I know that that Pastor Marty and Pastor Mark both entrust me to be able to bring the word to you. So I am honoring them and giving them thanks. Y'all give it up sir, for some incredible pastors here. But if you don't know me, my name is JW. I am one of the pastors here on staff and and I also want to let y'all know that I get to hang out with the students every Wednesday night. We have a good time. Um, and then you might see me running from time to time. You see me up here a lot on Sunday mornings. But I'm doing everything I can just to keep my job here because I want to make Pastor Mark and no, I'm just playing. Um, but, but anyways, I, I want to also honor my wife, Kayla. And she was here at the first two worship experiences. She, we have two boys that's ready for nap time, so she was taking them home. But I want to honor her because what a lot of people don't realize is, is she pastors alongside me. Um, I could not do my job without her. I could not be up here today without her because, because what people don't know is typically when there is an angry parent um, that needs to make a phone call, it goes to her. Um, she does not get paid to be a pastor, but she, she works at the church. She does some incredible things, but that is not part of her job responsibilities. But all of the emails, all of the text messages, all of the phone calls, all of the students typically are sending messages to her. So she is an incredible part. And then my two boys, y'all typically don't get to see them. They're probably exiting one of our many snack drawers in the church as they are leaving, you guys are coming. So my boys, they love it up here. This is the second home. They, they think that this is just part of life, and I'm so excited I get to do it with them. But with all of that being said, who's ready for the word this morning? All right. Okay. So I've got some scripture, and i got a lot. Um, but because it's so cool to me how, how much scripture connects. And, and, and I want to kind of show that to you all this morning, um, but I'm going to ask y'all a question, the same question that I ask my students every single Wednesday night. Who in here has their Bibles with them? Come on, let me see some Bibles. Show me your Bibles. I want to see, come on, we got some, there we go. I love seeing the Bibles. All right, what about some notebooks? Anybody in here have a notebook? Let me see your notebooks. You're going to take some notes this morning. Come on, uh, Pastor Marty mentioned last week, uh, maybe you, maybe you uh, remember, but he said when when you, you give somebody credit for the first time you say something, right? You say, well, so-and-so said. And then the second time you, you will say, uh, it's been said before. And then the third time you say, I've always said. Well, what I'm about to say, I'm just going to say, I've always said because I have said it enough times that I have stepped into that arena. So I've always said that note takers are history makers. And what I mean by that is you never know what God might be speaking to you in the moment that might just be needed tomorrow. 
So I've got a notebook full of notes from, from different camps, from different sermons, that I'll just write stuff down. Sometimes I'll just be driving and God will speak something to me and I'll open it up and I'll write something down. And what I've noticed is that God always brings me back to that notebook. But if you would, go ahead and turn in your, your Bible with me. We're going to be in 1 Kings. I love the Old Testament. There's so many incredible things that, that as a kid reading the Old Testament, it seemed kind of boring because I didn't know what I was reading. And then the older I got, I was like, this is not boring. This is incredible. This is some good stuff. So we are going to be in 1 Kings chapter 19 1 Kings chapter 19, and while y'all are standing, could y'all go ahead and stand for the word, reading of the word today. Now, I'm not going to make you stand every time because there's a lot, but we'll stand for this first one, and it's 1 Kings 19, verse 9. It says, there he came to a cave and lodged in it. It's talking about Elijah. There he came to a cave and lodged in it, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said to him, what are you doing here Elijah. And I think that specifically is a word for maybe someone in here this morning. Maybe you have found yourself in a cave. Maybe life circumstances have pushed you away and you have ran away and found yourself in a dark place. I want you to know that even in that cave this morning, that God can find you. Not only can he find you, but he knows you by name. He says, Elijah says, I have been very jealous for the Lord the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And he said, go stand, go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by in a great and strong wind, tore the mountains and broke into pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after a fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? God, I pray that your word would speak specifically and individually this morning, God. For whatever we're going through in this place, God, whatever we're going through, for anybody watching online, God, I pray that, that you would meet the people where they are through the word that you have placed in my heart this morning so that we can go out and change the world around us. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen. Amen. So the title that I have for you guys this morning the title that I have for you guys this morning is it's Encountering God. Encountering God. And typically now in, in my sermon is where I would tell a story. Uh, most of the time it's pretty incriminating. It might be kind of embarrassing, but I don't care because you got to be a little bit vulnerable so people know that you're real when you stand up here. And um, so, so sometimes I will tell a story, but, but I, I wanted to save that story for, for later um, and and I'll, you'll know why in just a bit. But, but I still wanted to be able to connect you to what God has placed in my heart this morning. So I want to ask this question, and um, I want to ask, has anyone in here ever seen the movie Pitch Perfect? Can you raise your hands? Let me see. That way I know who I'm talking to. 
Okay. Well, if you have not seen that movie, it is an acapella movie where they sing and they do all the little noises with their throats and they have a whole band with only people and no actual instruments. And they go and they compete in all these competitions. And, and it's, a, it's, a funny, it's a funny movie. Um, I think there's like two or three of them now. But there's a specific actor in there. His name is Adam Devine. And, and, and this guy, he's, he's a comedian, and, and he's, he's funny, and, he, and back in like 2010, he gets a phone call. He hasn't really done anything really big yet. And he gets a phone call and says, hey, uh, we want you to come to this audition. So he's talking to his agent. He's like, sure, what's the name of it? What do I need to do? And his agent said, it's called Pitch Perfect. So he says, sweet, a baseball movie. So he has built up this expectation of what he was about to go and audition for. He says that he walks in the room and he looks around and sees all of these beautiful people. He said, am I in the right place? And he sees them, they're all warming up their voices. They're all doing the, the do-re-mi, fa-la thing, and they're, they're gargling. So they're doing all of these voice, you know, um, the, these voice exercises. And he's like, what are they doing? All while he's over there in the back just stretching. He's trying to, like, pretend like he's getting a ball and throwing it. And, and, and he's sitting there. And he's like, what is going on here? So then finally they call him to the back. He walks in there, and they say, sing us a song. So he, he starts singing, and apparently it was not good. And they said, yeah, no, you, you, you can't do that song. So then he sings another song, and it ends up being the theme song for the family sitcom Family Matters. He ends up singing that song and actually gets the part. He gets the part, but I, I, I wondered if, if he would have been so caught up in his expectation of what he thought he was walking into, could he have potentially missed getting the part and landing one of the biggest jobs of his career? When I think about it a little bit more, I understand that we all have an expectation of what it is to encounter God. If you're taking notes this morning, my first point is this. It's this. It's expectation. We all have an expectation. So in Matthew 27, 22, it says this. Pilate said to them, and he's talking to the Jews he says, then what shall I do with Jesus, who is called Christ? And they all said, let him be crucified. When I'm reading the Bible, sometimes I jump off into my own space, and I'm like, there wasn't even one? Like, they had another vote? Like, they didn't take a vote. Who wants to do this? It says that they all said to crucify Jesus. And what I found out is that the Jews completely rejected Jesus because in their eyes, he failed to meet their expectation of what a Messiah should look like. You see, they had read prophecies their whole life. They had read all of these prophecies, how a Messiah was going to come and overturn the, the world, that the Messiah was going to come and set the, the nation of Israel as a, as a dominant force to be reckoned with. They were going to come and overturn the Roman rule in their areas, and the Messiah was going to come and just change everything for the better, which God did want to do. It was just going to look a little bit different than what they expected. 
You see, what, what, the, what the Jews did was they, they read over some of the other prophecies. You see, they read over Isaiah 53 and Psalm 22 when it talks about a, a Messiah that would actually be killed, a Messiah that would actually have to die. And, and, and I wonder how often, like the Jews, will we read parts of the Bible that fit our lives? We'll read parts of the Bible that sound good, that make us feel good, but sometimes we will set the ones that we don't really want to the side. I think that's what's wrong with culture today. For so long, we have lived life like the Jews, and we are missing an opportunity because of a misplaced expectation. How often do we miss an opportunity to encounter the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords because of our own misplaced expectations? So, so I started thinking about some of the expectations when it comes to meeting God, to having an encounter with him, having an experience with him. And, and, and a lot of times we will, we will base what we think God looks like from maybe a parent. Like, like I, remember, I remember going to a church, like old school church, and I remember my, my granddad, I watched him preach. I remembered all of these different people come in and, and tell me about these incredible encounters with God and how God just showed up. How like they could audibly hear the voice of God. And I'm like, okay, so if I don't actually hear someone talking to me that isn't there, then God's not there. So, so I had this expectation, and sometimes I would miss God because he was moving in ways that I wasn't willing to look for. I, I, I think that sometimes we look at maybe what God did in our past. We, we will look at how God moved previously in our life. And we will be so caught up with that experience that when God is trying to do something new, we can't let it happen because we're still trying to see this again. One of my favorites is, has any of y'all ever been to like an old school revival? Like the tent, like I'm talking the tents and it's always the hard metal chairs and they're always outside in August in the worst time of year. And you're going out there, and I'm not sure if I'm having an encounter with God or I'm about to pass out from a heat stroke. But, but we, we'll go to these meetings, and, and we'll see God do some incredible things. We'll see some people healed. We'll, we'll even meet God, and, and, and all of these things are happening. And then 30 years later, we haven't seen God again because we expect him to do the exact same thing. And we miss the fact that God may want to do something new. I had some students this year at camp. Real, guys, you have an incredible group of students at this church. They all came to the last one. Um, some of them have been at all three today. But, but you have an incredible group of students here and, that are hungry for God, that are hungry and passionate for knowing him more. And, and, and what, I, what I noticed was I had some students actually come up to me this year. Last year at camp, like night one, like God just wrecked them. Like God was speaking to them, calling them into, into purpose and calling. And, and, and so, so that was night one. And then they just kept getting more and more throughout the week. And then this year they show up and their friends are getting touched by God. They're, they're seeing all of these incredible things and they're like, God, are you, are you there? Did you forget about me? And then night two, they're asking, they're asking us, they're like, why, why am I not feeling God like, like I did last year? Why, why am I not experiencing him and having an encounter with him like all of my friends? 
And what we came to the realization is they were expecting God to do the same thing, but almost missed the fact that he wanted to do something new. You see, because they weren't the same people they were last year. They were new people this year that God had already been doing a work in their life, and he needed to tell them something different because he had a different purpose for them now. Let me give you a little bit of a backstory about Elijah. You see, Elijah had just, before we get to what we read, Elijah had just killed the 400 prophets of Baal through the hands of God. He had, he had just killed them, and he was actually on the run for his life. He's headed to the hills. He is going to, he is going to go hide, and he actually has a conversation with God. He's like, I just want to die. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. I am done. I'm going to go, and I'm going to take a nap. Anybody just need to go take a nap sometimes? Like, the stress and anxiety of life sometimes is so heavy on you that you don't know what else to do but sleep. I, I think that was the moment in Elijah's life where he didn't know what else to do, and all he could imagine was going to sleep. He said, God, I don't even care if I ever wake up. I cannot handle all of this. And it says that an angel comes up to him and says, Elijah, get up and eat. If an angel told me to get up and eat, I'm going to get up and eat. But, but, but he, he says, Elijah, get up and eat. So what does Elijah do? He gets up, he eats, and he drinks. And does anybody know what he does after that? He takes a nap. Come on. Hey, Sunday afternoon nap. Like he took a nap. And then the angel comes back up to him and says, Elijah, Get up and eat and drink. I need you to have energy for what you're going to do. So Elijah gets up and eats and he drinks, and it says that he was strengthened for 40 days. So then, in my mind, I go back and I start questioning. What was the angel feeding him? And was it the same meal? Like, did the angel give him the same meal that made him take a nap? And then gave him the same meal later that made him strengthen for 40 days? Because if so, I want that recipe. Because in my mind, I'm thinking after church here just a little bit, I'm going to go take a fat nap after I eat something good. But if it, if it was going to strengthen me for 40 days, I would eat that same meal for dinner. Because like Pastor Mark said earlier, August has some incredible things. We've got baptism coming up next week that I'm so pumped and excited for. We've got another weekend on the 13th that you do not want to miss. You want to bring all of your friends. Then the 21st, we have a, a first step class. We've got so many things happening. But, but most importantly, and I don't know if it's most importantly, it's um, but, but something that I definitely need strength for is, is this Wednesday night, our students have convinced us to have a lock-in, which if you don't know what that is, it's the worst. You have to stay up all night long and play games and eat food. And as a teenager, yes, that was fun. As a 35-year-old, sounds like hell. But we told them that we would do it, and I'm a man of my word, so we will do it. But what I know about Elijah is that, that he was strengthened for 40 days 
to go on a trip until he reached the Mount of Horeb. And what I didn't understand until recently was that was also called Mount Sinai. And if anyone knows what Mount Sinai is, it's the Moses where, or it's the, the mountain where Moses would have met God in the burning bush. It's also the mountain that Moses later would have gone and received the Ten Commandments and watched God come down and actually ascend onto the mountain, where they would have seen the signs and wonders of God doing some incredible things. So it's the same mountain that Elijah is at now, and Elijah is mad. Like, I, like, I, I, like to, I like to look at the, the, the people in the Bible, and I try to relate to them and try to understand what they're going through. It doesn't actually say Elijah was mad. But in my mind, I'm thinking, this dude has to be mad because he was called to a people. God, he was called to a crazy group of people. Like, like he says, God, it's like the people that you are calling me to are the worst. He said, they're crazy because you keep moving and doing things for them, but they keep forgetting. And, and I wonder... In my life, personally, I've watched God do something pretty incredible in my life on Sunday. And by Tuesday afternoon, I already forgot what he did on, on Sunday. But because life will get in the way. And sometimes we let the stresses of life overtake the incredible things that God has done. But that's a, another sermon for another day. Tell you what, if y'all come back in two weeks, you might just hear a sermon just about that. But Elijah says to God, he says, your people have forsaken you again. He says, they have killed all of your other prophets, and I am the only one left. I need you to show your power. I need you to show up big. I'm on the same mountain that you did all those incredible things for Moses. Let's see if you do those things again. Like, he's not saying this, but I could picture him having this, like, dialogue within himself. Like, God, I, I just want you to move. I'm at the same place. This is where you called me to. I know that you moved mighty for, for Moses here. So, so I'm thinking that I'm going to get the same thing. I'm expecting you to kind of do the same thing. And you know what? God does show up. You see, it says that God sent some of his miraculous powers, and, and, and you see that the mountain is broken by the wind. You see that the earthquake comes and completely shakes the ground, but then you see a fire that falls. But the word says that God was not in those manifestations. It says that he came in the still, small voice. It's translated a voice of a light breath. You see, a manifestation like that is expressed by entering the innermost parts of Elijah's heart. Potentially a place that the signs and wonders never would have met. And if Elijah would have only paid attention to the acts of God, he wouldn't have been able to be at a place to listen to him. He would have completely missed an encounter with God because he was so caught up in what he expected it to look like. He, he, he would have been so caught up in what he had already seen God do before. God is speaking this morning. And I want to ask you, are you willing to lay your expectations aside to find him? To experience him? Because maybe, 
just maybe, he's so close, speaking so softly, because he has an intimate word that needs to go all the way to your heart, the deepest parts of you, because that's where it hurts the most. And if you're so focused on seeing something, you might completely miss him saying something. Leads me to my second point is this, it is an experience. It is an experience. In Acts chapter 9, 9, 1 through 5, it says this, And Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest, and he asked for letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he were to find any were of the way following after Jesus, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly, everybody say suddenly. Suddenly, a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He said, who are you, Lord? How many of y'all need Jesus to knock you down sometimes? Like, like sometimes you're, you're so focused on pursuing your own thing. You're so focused on doing your own thing. You get tunnel vision, and you're just like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And, and, and you're looking for God to speak, and maybe God just needs to knock you down. Sometimes that's how I need him to speak to me because I'm so focused on all the things that I'm supposed to do that sometimes I forget the thing that I have to do. But what I want to encourage you with is this is, is one encounter with God. One experience can literally change everything. So what do we know about Saul? Later, he, he's known as Paul. We, we, we know that. And, and we know that he went on and completely changed his entire life. He had just been persecuting people who followed Christ. And after that encounter with God, his life completely shifted, and he was actually going and leading people to Christ. Then he ends up writing a vast amount of our New Testament. You see, one encounter with God. Paul had one encounter with God that completely changed the course of history. So my question to you this morning is what if one encounter with God for you is meant to change the course of history? Would it change the way you approach him? Would it change the way you seek after him? You see, I think some of us in here, we have had true encounters with Jesus. We have met him. We have had him move in our lives. Some of us have had miraculous healings or watched God heal people in their lives. And some of you in here maybe have never met him. Maybe you were brought here by a friend. Maybe you've just been coming your whole life but have been living off of what your parents saw or what your grandparents saw, and you just go to church because that's the thing to do, but have never actually met him face-to-face. Hopefully today that'll change. But can I ask y'all a question? Is that okay? Okay, I was going to ask it anyways. Why are we okay with settling with just having one encounter with the presence of God? Or if I, if I take it a step further, why are we okay with settling with a Sunday-only experience of God? You see, in Acts 13, 9, it says this. It says, Saul, 
who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him. This is one of my favorite scriptures. It said, you son of the devil. Everybody say, you son of the devil. Come on, y'all got to say it with some grit. Say, you son of the devil. You son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, full of all deceit and villainy. Will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? So I used to read that just because I thought it was like, hey, next time somebody cuts me off in traffic, you son of the devil. Like, like don't lie, some of y'all have said much worse. Um, so, so, so I'm sitting there, and I'm like, man, I like this. I, I like this. But, but I read it, and I read it, and I, I read it again, and I was like, Paul filled with the Holy Spirit. Like, I already knew he was filled with the Holy Spirit because it just told me like two chapters ago. Like, like I had just read that he was filled with the Holy Spirit, so why was it telling me again? Was it just reminding me, hey, guys, Paul was filled with the Holy Spirit. No, I, I looked a little bit deeper, and it actually says that, it, that he was being filled, which means he was filled again. It, he was filled again with the Holy Spirit, but if he had already encountered God, why was he having to have another encounter with God? It's because I think Paul understood something that we need to adhere to today. Paul said, yeah, I, I, I had an encounter with God. Like he knocked me off my horse, couldn't see for three days, changed my life. I had an encounter with God. But that was for yesterday. You see, today I have new obstacles. I said today I have new challenges. And, and what God did in my life yesterday was not enough for what I need him to do in my life today. So I have to come and encounter him again. And how many of you will be honest and say, you know, I have new obstacles every day? Like you have new challenges every day. Because life is not easy. And what you receive one day from him might not sustain you to the next. Don't settle for a Sunday-only walk with God. All right, now I'm going to tell you my story. Y'all ready? Okay. Y'all see this right here? This, uh, this uh, picture up here, my beautiful wife, she's not here, but she, she made that for me um, so I could get up here and preach. But, but, but this is um, taken from the painting of creation in the Sistine Chapel at the Vatican in Italy. And if you've ever been, it's, it's a beautiful work of art. Um, there's so many other wonderful pieces there. But, but I need you to know before I tell you the story about this is that um, in my past, we're going to say way back there, like way back in my past, there would be times where maybe I would push the envelope a little bit when it came to rules. Like I'd be like, rules don't really apply to me. Like, like anybody else kind of maybe, I didn't break them, but I bent them really hard. And, and, and so, so I was actually having a conversation with Kayla, and I said, I said hey, babe, I'm going to tell the story. She said, you're going to incriminate yourself on the live feed. So I got to thinking about it, and I'm like, I need to look up the statute of limitations. Because I need to know if enough time has passed for me to tell the story and not potentially be prosecuted. Now, before I go any further, don't wrong, I did not do anything that bad. But I needed to make sure that no one was going to come after me and try to take my phone away. But, but, but apparently, like, if you, if you live here, to get there, it's like a 12-hour flight, okay? And, and 
if you are tall or, or you are just broad, anything in between, it is not very comfortable. I did not have enough money to fly first class, so I'm sitting in coach, sitting between some people. It is a long flight, uncomfortable, and it's still a lot of money to get there. So I get over there, and then when you get to the outside, you have to pay to get in the building. So I paid for my flights. I paid to get in the building. Then I walk in, and I'm like, I'm about to see this in real life. So I get in there, I get in there, and, and then I start noticing, for some reason, I don't know why, you can photograph everything in that entire place. You can take pictures, you can take videos, you can do whatever you want to, but when you walk into this specific room with this painting, signs everywhere, no photos. Signs everywhere with cameras and flashes through it, slashes through it. And I said, hold on. I can take a picture of everything else that I didn't even want to take a picture of, but I can't take a picture of this. I said, um, I might have to take that picture. You see, it, it was a, hey, come and look, but don't touch kind of thing. It was a, hey, you can come and experience this, but it's got to stay here kind of thing. It, it, it made me start thinking, I'm going to be real with y'all because y'all are the 1145 and y'all are ready for it. But I think so often we approach the presence of God the same way. We'll come and we'll look on Sunday, but we don't touch it Monday through Saturday. And, and I don't think it's out of malicious intent or we're like, oh, I'm going to go to church and then I, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to talk to God all week long and then I'm going to make sure I talk to him. I don't know. I, I, think, that, I think that sometimes in life we just... We get busy. Sometimes in life things happen and, and, and we lose focus on, on, on God himself and, and we try to look at maybe what we can do to solve our issues and our problems. In fact, we will get up on a Sunday morning and not you. This, I'm talking to the 10, the 10 o'clock uh, worship experience because um, they're the ones that always come to church on Sunday and then go to Papa Cita's right afterwards and make y'all all have to wait even longer. Um, but, but we'll get up and go to church on Sundays, and, and, and then Monday comes around, and, and we kind of set God to the side, and, and we try to walk through, we, we try to walk through life hoping that Sunday's feeling and experiencing God on Sunday will get me to next Sunday. How many of y'all in here only eat once a week? No. So, so, so for me, y'all clearly see I don't just eat once a week. I don't sometimes even eat just once an hour. But the reason is, if I only eat in my physical body, if I only eat on Sundays, y'all, by the time Monday afternoon comes around, Monday was hard. Like, and I have no energy. And then I got to expect to get up on Tuesday and do it again. And then Wednesday comes around, Thursday, Friday. By the time Friday comes around, I'm not getting out of bed because I have no energy to face the problems of the day. And that's in my physical body. What's different about the spiritual man inside of you, the spiritual woman inside of you? You see, what happens when you come to, to church on Sunday, it wasn't to gorge you, to give you all of Jesus that you could get just so you can last and make it to next Sunday. But no, no, when, when you come to church on Sunday, it is to spark an appetite inside of you. It, it, it is made to, to spark the metabolism 
inside of you. And if you know anything about metabolism, what does it do? It begins to burn energy. It begins to burn fat so that you are hungry again a little bit later. Like, like, like for me, if I don't eat breakfast in the morning, I can make it to the afternoon and I'm good. But if I eat breakfast first thing in the morning, no lie, an hour later, I'm starving. Like I got because your body sparks a metabolism that requires more food. When you have a sparked metabolism on Sunday, it should require more food on Monday. Because you were never meant to live Sunday to Sunday. Well, let me tell you, I took a picture of that painting. I'm sitting there and I'm trying to be real discreet because I don't want anybody to see. And guys, this was a little while ago, so it was like an iPhone 4. I tried to get a picture. I sent it over to Josh, and he said, it's too pixelated. I'm like, well, just imagine with me. I'm sitting there, and I'm trying to take a picture like this, and, and, and I'm trying to, trying to take the, the picture, and I'm like, okay, you know what? I, like, I had to get close. I'm like, okay. And it's like 30-foot ceiling, so I, my hand's all the way up. I'm taking a picture, and then I got to zoom in on the camera a little bit, taking a picture again. And the reason why is because I wanted to be able to remember that moment. I wanted to be able to take that phone with me everywhere I went and be able to pull it up. Oh, man, I was there. Oh, man, I got to see that in person. I wanted to be able to recreate that moment anytime I could because it was such a unique moment in my life. But not only that, I wanted to be able to take it and show everybody around me. I wanted to come back home and say, hey, guys, look where I just went. Hey, hey, look, I took a picture of this. Oh, look how pretty this is. I was here. I did this thing. I wanted to be able to let everyone know what I had encountered. And when you experience an encounter with God, it is something that you don't want to forget. It is something that, that you want to recreate and you want everyone around you to know that God has done something new in your life. But I have my phone out. And I'm taking those pictures, and then all of a sudden I hear, hey! And I'm like, hand, I mean, phone still in my hand. And then they start speaking in Italian. And then they start yelling at me in English. And I'm like, trying to hide it. Like, I'm, I'm hiding, I'm putting it in my pocket, and I'm like, okay. But, but what I've noticed, when anytime you travel, like in, here in the States, I'm a pretty, I'm a pretty big guy. But if you travel across the world, it's like the camera. And they say the camera adds 10 pounds. When you travel, the camera adds like a foot and 100 pounds because I am by far the largest man in this room. So I'm sitting there. A man is yelling at me, and then all of a sudden I'm trying not to get in trouble. So then my, my best reaction was trying to blend in with the crowd so nobody could see me because they were not about to take my phone. I get to the exit, and I see these, these guards. They're like, 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 why are you so mad? I paid a lot of money to get here. And, and, and they're trying to make their way to the crowd because I, I don't know. Were they trying to take my phone? They're talking to me. They're, they're saying, I'm like, I don't know. I'm just acting confused. Like, I don't know what's going on here. And, and, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, I got to go. As soon as we walk out, Kayla looks at me, and she's just shaking her head. And I said, babe, but we got that picture. I still have it on my phone today. I was showing somebody earlier. 
But what I realized is Satan will do everything he can to keep you from the presence of God. You see, I, I don't think the enemy's greatest tactic is to keep you from knowing him. I think his greatest tactic is to keep you from pursuing him. And what I mean is, I, 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 he, I would say that, that he may not even be trying so much to keep you from heaven. I think his greater goal is to keep you from experiencing heaven on earth. So what he's going to do is he's going to keep you busy. How many of y'all say y'all are busy? Like there have been times on Sunday, and y'all forgive me, like I said, it wasn't to you guys. There have been times on Sunday where somebody needed something from me. And because I was so busy, I said, hey, can we chat tomorrow? Doing a job when that was actually my job. I was so focused on doing a task that I completely missed a person who actually needed me. You see, I think sometimes Satan will, will keep you busy, but, but I think sometimes he'll, he'll even allow like, good things to happen in your life. He'll allow good things to happen in your life because he just wants to keep you away from pursuing a constant encounter with God. You have to be willing to take him with you and seek him on Tuesday afternoon when you have been at home all day with your beautiful children. You have macaroni in your hair. You're about to pull all of your hair out, and your husband comes home and asks you where dinner is. And you don't want to go to jail. So you just need to go and spend some time with God because, because every day has new obstacles and you need to have life inside of you to be able to overtake and overcome those. Because of this, your experience commands an expression. Your experience commands an expression. We're going to be in Mark 5, 25. Mark 5, 25. I've got a good little amount of scripture that I want to read for you real quick. Um, but, but I promise it'll all tie together. It's Mark 5, 25. It says this, And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians, had spent all that she had, and there was, she was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garments. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. I wish I knew this woman's name because I would give her much credit for what's about to transpire. But if I'm honest with y'all, her name was probably Mary. Because I don't know how many Marys are in the Bible, but every time I read, I have to figure out which one I'm talking about. 
There were a lot of Marys, and I'm just assuming that her name may have been Mary, but, but the reality of it is, is that she was considered unclean. So not only did she have an issue inside of her body, not only was she struggling with a physical disorder, but because of the physical disorder, it would have caused emotional pain. You see, you see she was not allowed to touch people. Because if she were to touch anybody, then they then became unclean. So she had to be ostracized. She was kicked out of the community. She could not have friends. She, she was alone for 12 years. An awful life. And she got to a place and she said, I heard that this Jesus could heal me. I heard that there's something different. And in that moment, she did not care what anybody thought. She didn't care that potentially touching the hundreds of people she would have to touch to push through the crowd to get to them would potentially be unclean and have to be go outside of the city and do the rituals. And, and she did not care who saw her. She didn't care who knew. But she did everything she could to push her way through the crowd just to touch his garment. And it caused a natural expression. You see, it says that she was healed after years of illness, years of isolation, years of condemnation, losing everything she had, including all of her money. And what I love about the story is it says that when she touches, she felt that her body was healed. But then later, when she's having a conversation, Jesus says that you are healed. What's so cool about that is when Jesus said you are healed, it actually had a dual meaning it had a dual meaning. It said that you are healed, but you are also saved. And it was through her touching just the garment, the power that came, not only was she healed, but she was also saved through her faith. And I know for me, there have been times where I have praying for something for years. Maybe I've been going through something for a long time. And I've prayed for something for years. And then finally, when God shows up and answers that prayer, I, and he answers that prayer in my life. I look at all of the years that I struggled, and instead of being grateful for what he gave to me, I became bitter about why he didn't do it sooner. This lady struggled for 12 years, and she had a place in her life where she could have done one or the other. She could have been bitter that she was alone for so long in her life, or she could go and tell everybody about the encounter that she had with Jesus. And here's what I know. The Bible doesn't really talk about her any further but I know that she went and told every person that she came in contact with what Jesus did in her life, the encounter that she had had with Jesus. Because not only did she tell people, but, but y'all ever been told it like just a really, really good story? Like someone tells y'all a good story and you're like, man, I got to go tell somebody else's story because it's so good. You, you won't believe what just happened. Like, like I will tell stories like that all the time and they're not even about me. Like, they're about somebody else that just told a really good story about what God did, so I'm going to tell that story, too. And, and this is what has taken place. And the reason why I know that is because if you read the next chapter, Mark 6, 54, it says this. And when they got out of the boat, talking about Jesus and the disciples, it says that the people immediately recognized him. And they ran about the whole region and began to bring the sick, sick people on their beds to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he came, in villages, cities, countryside, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and implored him 
that they might touch even the fringe of his garment. And as many as touched it were made well. The lady touched his garment. Word got around to everybody in the region. If they could just touch the little scraggly pieces hanging off the bottom of the garment, if they could just touch the leftovers of the garment, that they too will be healed. The only way that that was possible was the expression that was caused in this woman after she received an encounter with God. She told the story with such conviction, such passion, that the whole world knew what had happened. And many people came to an encounter with him through hers. When you encounter God, it does something to you that pours out of you. It should change your environment around you that draw others to him. If you finish reading the rest of 1 Kings 19, it says that God sends Elijah back. He gives him some instructions. He's saying, hey, I know you, I know you ran away. I know, I know all of this just happened, but I'm going to send you back, and, and I need you to know that there are 7,000 people left in Israel that have not bowed to Baal, and I need you to lead those 7,000 people. So when I first read, I was like, okay, 7,000 people, that's a, that's a good chunk of change. You know, they can go and take over. They can go and, and do all these things, but, but in Romans 5, Paul writes, referring to the, the, the moment with Elijah, and he said that it was just a remnant. It was just a small amount of the masses. He said, Elijah, I need you, after you just encountered me, I need you to go and lead this remnant out and change the world. And what I know about a remnant is a remnant is people who need to be willing and ready to walk in the opposite direction. They need to be willing to walk against the grain against the grain of culture and society, and, and what if, what if your expression of encountering God is, is on Thursday morning, on your way to work, you're worshiping, you're praying, and, and God just speaks to you. What if that encounter on your way to work is for the remnant of 20 people that you work with? What if the, the, the encounter that you have with God today is for the remnant of four people in your house? I was having a conversation with a friend of mine the other day. He told me, he said, hey, um, I just wanted to share some, some really cool, a really cool testimony with you. He called me, he told me that, that God had done some Something just, it was really, like, it was really cool. It was a really sweet moment. I was like, man, God is, God is so good. And he said, I, I want to get more involved. He said, I, I want to do something more with my life. I want to be a better father. I want to I lead my family better. And he's telling me all of these things, and I'm like, yes, that's, that's incredible. I'm excited for you. Let's go. Let's do it. But he tells me, he said, none of this would be possible if it wasn't for a teenager in your youth. I was like, tell me more. He said, have you ever like, and I connected with him because I got, I knew what he was saying. He said, said, you ever like go to school and then all of a sudden somebody who wasn't a Christian, they became a Christian and they were just kind of weird. I was like, yeah, I know what you're talking about. 
It's like, like, like not, not, not weird in a bad way. They're just, they're just not doing the same thing that they used to do, and it's kind of weird to see them in, a, in like a new person. I said, yeah, yeah, I know, I know exactly what you're talking about. He said, well, that is this young lady. He said, her life is completely transformed. He said, nobody recognizes her. He said that, that she will lead Bible studies at school. He said that, that she will go out and tell people about Jesus because she had an encounter with God but didn't let it be just a one-time thing. She pursues a relationship with him and sees him and meets with him daily. And he said she is just a teenager, but her expression of the encounters of God that she has poured out into our family. He said it makes me want to be a better dad. He said, it makes me want to be a better leader for my family. It makes me want to be more involved all because of what I've seen God do in and through her life. So my question for you guys that I have this morning is, are you willing to set aside your expectations to fully experience him? And after you do that, I want you to go and let it be an expression of his presence in your life everywhere you go. If y'all could stand to your feet, I want to pray for you. I'm going to have a couple of my prayer team come up to the front for anybody who might need prayer this morning. But but I also want to leave some space. Um, I want to leave some space at the altar for anybody who, who have maybe just wants to come and experience God. Maybe you just want to get alone to encounter him face-to-face, and, and, and you want to make this a place to do that. I want to give you that opportunity as well. Whether you've never met him before, you've never encountered Jesus, you've never seen the Holy Spirit, you, never, you, you have never met him, or maybe you've encountered him 10,000 times and you just want another time. If I could go ahead and have everybody close your eyes for me, I'm going to pray. But before we close, I need to ask this question. Is there anyone in here that does not know Jesus? They have never experienced an encounter with him. They have never asked him into their heart. And you said, today's the day I want to make that choice. Could you show me your hand real quick? I just want to see and pray for you. Awesome. God, I pray that, that today's word would spark something inside of us, God to not live a Sunday-to-Sunday faith, God, but to live it every day of the week, kind of persistence, pursuing after your presence. God, I pray that we would be in our word this week, God. I pray that we would spend time in prayer, God, and I pray that it would create an addiction for your presence. God, that we would be addicted by being in your word, by being in worship to Lord Jesus, that because of these things in our life, God, it could not help but pour out and be an expression to those around us. God, and I pray that this week people's lives are changed outside of us because of what you're doing inside of us. I pray for everyone that wants to come up here and receive prayer. You're more than welcome to anyone who wants to come and just find a space to, to, to be in his presence. But for everyone else, I just pray that God would bless you as you leave and pray that we'll see you guys tomorrow night at prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, Pastor Marty here from Pathway Church, and I just want to say thank you for joining us, and I want to encourage you 
to get connected and stay connected. And there's several ways you can do that. Number one, you can download the Pathway app and we are all the time offering resources and information on that app for you. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel. And if you do, make sure you click the bell so that you never miss any life-giving and life-changing content as we add it to the channel. And then also, uh, make sure you follow us on social media, on Instagram, on Facebook. Look, our hope and heart for you is that you walk in the purpose for which God made and created and redeemed you for. We love to connect people to purpose. We thank you for giving us this opportunity. And if you're ever in Longview or you are in Longview, I'd love to invite you to join us in person each weekend. Listen, I pray God's best for your life. I believe if you follow Jesus, your best is ahead.